0: Welcome to Kathleenwitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now here's Kathleen. I've been really amazed to see that Jesus tells us how to have total and complete joy. That he says in John, what did I say this morning in the car? I see 15, verse 20, I think I jotted it somewhere. John 15, 11 and 12, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and so that your joy might be complete. Love one another as I have loved you. And so we could ask God this morning, what is it going to take for me to have complete joy? You know, you promised me that I can have life and life abundant. I want to have complete joy, which is not the same as happiness. See, happiness is dependent on circumstances. Happiness is the Spurs one, you know. (laughs) Happiness is, you know, I got a raise. Happiness is, um, I'm in real estate and the house sold. Happiness is, you know, everything worked out that I thought was going to work out. Happiness is I don't hurt anymore. Happiness is my kids have turned around the corner. Happiness is my spouse turned the corner. Whatever would bring happiness. Happiness is dependent on circumstances, and it's not the same as joy. Joy is this inward, like, unstoppable, bubbling up, sometimes, most of the time, inexpressible power and peace that can only come from God. And Jesus says, I'm telling you this. He says, I'm about to tell you something so that you can have complete joy for the rest of your life. Love one another as I have loved you. And I keep looking at that scripture and I'm like, you know, God, so many of us have struggled and are struggling with depression or oppression. Like I was asking those high school kids and And, I mean, I could tell in their eyes there was about a hundred, and I don't know how many of them. I don't, where's Jean? I saw you. There was a hundred and three, and I could tell in their eyes that they, there would I could tell that they all but were saying, yeah, yeah, lady, yeah. And so many of us are, here in America, we have so much, We've, we've been given so much, hardly any of us are are going without food or without water. We can take a hot bath. We can take a hot shower. You go to other countries, and they barely have enough to eat. The orphanage that storm was adopted from, the country that he came from, I mean, Lacey said it. I mean, the second he landed from Moscow into Armenia, he said, gosh, Kathleen, he said it's, it looks way worse than any place you've been in Mexico. I mean, he just said it was horrible. We have so much, and yet— We seem to be sort of crippled over here in a way because one of the most crippling things that you can experience is depression. And the reason I put that list back on the back table is because although it seems like it's written in jest, you know, how to be depressed no matter what the circumstances versus how to be joyful no matter what the circumstances, that list came from my life, you know. So you read that list, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is pretty funny. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, this is somebody's life. And that was what God was showing me was these are the things that are going to make you depressed, and here's my word that's going to make you joyful. But joyful is way beyond circumstances. It's just this amazing, indescribable joy. And so what I wanted to look at and what I shared with the kids is, Jesus said, love each other as I've loved you. And, you know, what? how much time do I have? Oh, 40 minutes. In 40 minutes can I possibly teach all the ways, <laughs> Sylvia says yes, that Jesus loved. I, I, I think that we couldn't in 140 years, but with God we could in 40 minutes. But I'm just going to choose one. And this is very similar to what I shared with the kids. And this is what my heart is just beating towards. Because I think that sometimes if we just have one thing that we can hold on to, it can make all the difference in the world, than a whole bunch of head knowledge that doesn't do us any good. You know? I mean, there are so many people that can quote the Word, and they can teach the Word, and they've read it all and done it all and heard it all, and they could come in this class and go, I've heard everything that she's ever going to say or ever has said. Yeah, but are you doing it? Because if you're not doing it, it's not working in your life. And if you're, if you're not doing it, you won't have joy. I mean, Jesus didn't say, just know my stuff so you'll seem smart and holy and religious. you got to do it. And so the one thing that God keeps showing me in my life and, and to, to, to really, really bring us out of depression besides that whole list, and I really am desiring to write a book according to that list, because I feel like there's so much to be amplified out of it. But that is that, that Jesus, the Word of God says in Romans 12 to 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And lots of times when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling oppressed, when we're feeling down and downtrodden and dark, and we've got a dark cloud over our head, and our personality is starting to look like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Does anyone else have young children? <laughs> No, okay, a few. <laughs> Eeyore's always like, oh, boy, everything's bad, you know? And, I mean, I would listen to Eeyore, and I'd think, you know, that, that may not be what I'm sounding like on the outside, because we've got the whole church social thing going, don't you think? And even the cocktail thing going, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good. Good. I'm glad. you're thinking, I'm yeah, not good. You're not good either. Why are we <laughs> Neither of us are good. And we're going to say we're good and we're not good. You know, Mary Carter and I were talking one time about how it wouldn't it be great if you could just come to church in your pajamas and just say, you know, I'm really not good. I barely made it out of bed this morning. And does anyone have any coffee? And does anyone else have a toothbrush? I'm here. I made it here, but I barely made it here. Could someone else help me? And you made me thinking, too, you know, when somebody comes and they, they stand up here, and I was talking to Lacey this morning on the way to church, I said, honey, I really feel like God... Going to start calling me to be more and more and more real and naked in front of people in the sense of sharing my own life because when you see someone up front and you really are struggling with depression or you really are struggling with something serious in your life, you think, What right does she have to laugh about this? What right does she have to say that you can overcome this? And I'm going to just briefly, without detail, give you a few reasons that I think I'm a good candidate to um, represent overcoming depression. And one is that I deal with severe chronic pain in my back. I have a full metal rod in my back. My back is fused to a spine. My spine is fused to a rod. And I can only bend my neck. And so sitting, for me, is excruciatingly painful at all times. And it gets worse, and it gets better, and I, I walk. I walk not because I love to walk. I walk because I need circulation in my spine. And um, I've had lots of other things happen. I've had reasons to be sad, like you all have, Um I'm not going to say all of them, but one of the things I said to the kids on Wednesday is a lot of reasons that kids get depressed or get sad and a lot of reasons adults do is simply having a dysfunctional family. And I just told the kids on Wednesday a couple weeks ago that get over it. Every family is dysfunctional. (laughs) I mean, seriously, every single family is dysfunctional, and all you have to do is look at the very first family, right? There's Adam, there's Eve, happy little family, until one of the sons kills the other one. That's slightly dysfunctional, don't you think? Well, you know, how's it going? Fine. How are you doing fine? Good. I mean, don't you think Adam and Eve, their cocktail parties that they went to, they had to say, well, we're good, everything's fine, one of our 10 sons killed the other one, but it's no big deal. I mean, that's a really painful, difficult situation, that's the very first family And most of us came from families that were not perfect because none of us are perfect. And my only goal is that I want my children's family to be more functional than my family. And I want my family to be more functional than the family that I came from. And the reason that I think that we have the tools to do that is not because I'm a better person, but because God is revealing more and more and more and more on this earth about the Word of God. And people are getting more and more and more honest and open and hungry like baby birds in a nest. Feed me the word. I don't want to just be like the prior generation. I don't want to live and accept that my family is addicted to alcohol or my family is addicted to drugs or that my kids are going to go this way or that way or what have you. I want the freedom that Jesus Christ talked about, and I want it bad. And that's what I want in my life. And Jesus has set me free. I mean, a spirit of self-pity that I had because I hurt all the time. He set me free from uh, abuses in my life. I had a very serious situation with rejection. I had a very serious situation where someone um, in authority did some abusive things to me in in the physical realm that was against my will that I've never shared. With anyone, Lacey knows exactly what I'm talking about. And there's forgiveness there. And the reason that I'm sharing this is I don't want your pity because I want you to know that God is, I, I'm free. I am full of joy and I'm free. But I've walked through some things. I tried to handle the, the hurt in my life. Um, as a teenage girl went through bulimia, went through, um, if for those of you that don't know what that is, it's when you make yourself throw up. Um, Went through an eating disorder. Went through all sorts of stuff as a young girl. And um, had cancer. Had leukemia. Lost all my hair. I remember having um, a mask on it and, and being um, bald and, and having um, tubes in my heart. And one tied to the blood I was getting. One tied to the chemotherapy and one for whatever sugar water they were giving me through my heart. And having a mask on, and I couldn't even be with my own children because I didn't have enough of an immune system. And I remember people were coming and visiting the hospital, and every once in a while I'd try to leave my room just because after a couple of weeks, months, whatever, you go kind of nutso. And people, women, and, and people would have babies and different people up there, and they'd think that they were supposed to avoid me. You know, who's the girl who weighs whatever, 90-something pounds with a mask on and no hair? What does she have? And they would be walking away from me. I mean, just feeling that that rejection and thinking, God, what, what is going on? And how easy it is for us to get in those circumstances, whether it's chronic pain, emotionally, physically, mentally. Whether it's a situation in your life like leukemia or cancer or isolation or rejection. Or whether someone has done something to you or mistreated you or you came from a dysfunctional family or something's happened in your family that was excruciatingly shameful or embarrassing, whatever it is, I'm going to tell you that there is a real enemy named Satan. And if you have a problem with that, you're going to have a problem with about, what, eight-tenths of what Jesus Christ taught. Because he came and taught us how to get free from the enemy. And he wants you, the enemy, Satan, to be oppressed and depressed And unable to function in a full way and realm so that you can't fulfill the destiny and the call that God has on your life. And so that we can't go out and reach others and reach the nations for Jesus Christ because we are so crippled within our own depression. And... The reason Romans 12, 21 means so much to me is because it's so simple. It says, don't be overcome by evil. Don't be overcome by your circumstances. Don't be overcome by the cancer. Don't be overcome by the situation where someone mistreated you. Don't be overcome by the dysfunction in your family. Don't be overcome by your own mistakes. You know, I mean, just for me to finally forgive myself of certain things, was just huge I mean I don't know if you if you want to experience major joy in your life just go home by yourself and say God I know you've forgiven me I receive it now and you just wait I mean you're gonna feel like you're ready to fly because most of us intellectually understand God's forgiveness but we haven't received it we're still just beaten ourselves up over what we could have done or should have done or could have said or didn't do or whatever, instead of saying, wait a minute, Romans eight twenty eight says that all things work for good to those who love God or to call according to his purposes. All things, even my mistakes. I'm so excited that we serve a God who can take plan Z. You know, maybe he offered me plan A but I went all the way down the alphabet in certain circumstances. I don't know it's you, but I am capable of it. I didn't even take plan B. I went ahead and went over to plan Z. And he can take plan Z and make it. When I trust him and I say, here's plan Z, God. You offered me plan A and B and C and D and E, F, G, H, I. <laughs> yes, I have a three-year-old. <laughs> Here's Plan Z, God. It's the best I have to offer. I'm right in the middle of Plan Z by my own choices, by the things maybe also other people have done to me, by the things that are out of my control. But you are in control, and only God can do this. But he makes Plan Z better than Plan A. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over. And in my life, all I can say is, All the things that the enemy has tried to do to oppress me or depress me or throw me off or ruin my life with, he is now regretting. (laughs) Because I want to be one of those people that when I wake up in the morning... Every demon in hell goes, oh no, she's up. You know, Great, what are we gonna do now? You know? She's gonna tell people about Jesus. She's forgiven herself, she's moving on, she's trusting God, she's gonna, He's already making plan C, plan A. What are we gonna do? And God wants every single one of you to be like that, too. But you've got to forgive yourself. That's number one. Receive God's forgiveness. He loves you. And don't go around saying, "I made this mistake. I've got to just live with this junk and live in the mire, and and I'm I'm never going to be a, a number one Christian. I'm always going to be somewhere down the line and hang your head and think that He can't get God's gotten me out of so many things. I could think I couldn't think how He would do it, and He did it. And you're here for a reason, and I'm here for a reason. And it's not so that we can be depressed." It's so that we can be overcomers. You know, one of my favorite quotes I've heard a speaker say so often, and I love this, and I, and I say it to myself all the time, and that is she said that she she had been sexually abused, and she said that the Holy Spirit came to her one morning, and she was getting ready, and that he said to her, listen, you're going to be pitiful, or you can choose to be powerful, but you can't be both. And she said that morning, she said, you know, I just had to decide I want to be powerful in God. I don't want to be pitiful anymore. And God has said that so often to me. What he said to me is, Kathleen, you can choose to be overcome. You can be overcome by all the stuff that's happened to you. You can be overcome by the pain. You can be overcome by the circumstances. You can be overcome by the mistreatment. You can be overcome by all the surgeries you've had. You can be overcome with worry about the future and all the junk that Satan tries to send to us. Oh, if your back hurts now. If your back hurts now, Kathleen, think what it's going to be like when you're 50. What is it going to be like when you're 60? What's it going to be like when you're 70? You can be overcome by that or you can be an overcomer. Don't be overcome by evil, Romans 12, 21. Overcome evil with good. And then we looked at John 15, verses 20 and 21, and Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you this, paraphrasing, so that your joy can be complete, so that you can have complete joy. Love one another as I have loved you. And one of the ways that Jesus loved was just by doing good, just doing good to other people. And what I asked those high school kids, I said, you know, if you're depressed this morning, ask yourself two things. How much time do you spend thinking about yourself and how you can make yourself happy? How can I make myself happy today? Maybe it's not conscious. Maybe you don't, like, consciously think, how can I make myself happy? But you've got yourself on your mind and this is exactly why I don't think so many self-help books and all that stuff helps, because all it does is it gets you more on your mind. Isn't there another country song that says, I was always on my mind? You were always on my mind. Yeah. Oh, oh, God just cracks me up. It should be, I was always on my mind. I was always on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone else think most country songs are really sad? (laughs) But, you know, if that was really true, if we really sang what we're really feeling, it really would be I was always on my mind. So you have to ask yourself, you know, even if I'm in the self-help mode of, okay, I recognize depression, I recognize that I'm not happy, I recognize that if I'm really honest and true with people, I'm full of anxiety, I'm full of fear, whatever it is. I recognize that that's not from God. First Timothy one seven says that He's not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So you can know all these scriptures, and you can recognize that. But then, what do you do? Jesus says, you go out and you fix yourself. You analyze yourself. You go to the bookstore. You search Amazon. You find just the right books to apply to your life. You go to counseling for thirty years. You've paid the counselor's vote. You've paid their vacation home. Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you if you want to have complete joy. So I ask the kids, do you spend more time thinking about yourself and how to make yourself happy? Or do you spend more time thinking about others and how to bring them joy? You know what I do, in all honesty, if I'm in a lot of pain? and my back's hurting really bad, and the enemy's coming with memories of this happened and that happened and this happened and that happened and this has happened to you, and I start to feel overwhelmed. Or sometimes he doesn't even need to do that because circumstances just get set up to where it's tough. Just one thing will happen, and another thing will happen, and it's just tough. Things can be tough. I search for who I can be good to that day. And this joy comes. It's so simple, but it works every single time. I'll ask God, God, who can I be good to today? Who can I write a card to today? Who can I call today? Who can I pray for today? And the most amazing thing is that so many times the pain leaves or God works out the circumstance. Or things just come into place. Why? See, the Word of God says in Matthew six thirty three, "To seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added." It didn't say analyze and rationalize and figure out why you're thinking things and why you do what you do. Do you know how crazy I would be and you would be if you tried to figure out all the things that you do and why you do it? I mean, seriously, but there are people that, like, study that, and they, they think about it, and, and, and they, they try to analyze, why did I do that, and why did I react that way, and why did you react that way, and all this stuff. And God says, get your mind off yourself. You were always on your mind. <laughs> I bet you didn't know he was so into country music, did you? <laughs> and, and he does know when to hold them and when to fold them. God is so good, he's so funny, and he's so good, but he's so much more powerful than we give him credit for. His word means what he says. Do you know that there are certain things in your life that you can't wait to change? You would do anything to change them, and God may be willing to change them as soon as you just seek first the kingdom of God. His word is true. It is amazing how hard we will work on something that isn't working. And how we'll cry out to God, God, I've been doing this and that and this and that and this and that to change the situation. And it's not changing and we're so frustrated and we become so depressed. And when that happens in my life, I have to ask myself a couple of questions. Because sometimes God will put the squeeze on me to test me or to test you. And you'll have circumstances in your life that put a squeeze on you to test you. What do I mean by that? I mean... You don't know what a fruit is like until you squeeze it, right? I remember a couple years ago, I even wrote a little meditation about it. I went to the store and I was so excited because they had these beautiful, huge, huge limes in the grocery store. They were beautiful, the most beautiful limes I'd ever seen. And I bought these beautiful, they were extra large limes. And I brought them home. And I cut one open and I went to squeeze it in my iced tea and it was just hard and dry. Have you ever had that happen? And I thought, oh my gosh, this was the most beautiful, promising lime, but when I went to squeeze it, nothing came out. (laughs) And see, that's the thing, is sometimes as Christians, we can look really beautiful and promising and shiny and wonderful on the outside, but you don't really know what I'm like, and I don't really know what you're like until you get squeezed. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's a real different story. You know, because I can sing the hallelujah chorus and, and, you know, float on the cloud and be happy until you mess with one of my kids or circumstances go to hell in a handbasket or my back starts hurting or Lacey and I are in a fight or things aren't going right or a deal fell through or we've got a crunch in our finances and insurance isn't going to pay for it and so and so's rejected my child and. An embarrassing thing happened in my family, and a big mistake happened, and everybody knows about it. And then I'm squeezed, and then you're going to see what my fruit really is like. And then the Bible says that we're supposed to have certain fruit. The book of Galatians says that we're supposed to have the fruit of the Spirit, right? So when a Christian's squeezed, that's what's supposed to come out, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness. I'm sorry, what was that? I was waiting for that one. So sometimes God is going to let circumstances squeeze us so that we'll know what's on the inside. Because sometimes if we don't know what's on the inside and we didn't know anger was going to come out, we didn't know bitterness was going to come out, we didn't know unforgiveness was going to come out. If we don't even know that's inside of us, we can't get it out of us. So he'll sometimes use circumstances in my life and your life to squeeze you to show you what's really inside. And sometimes that's pretty, and sometimes that's not. But then sometimes when things are going really tough, I have to ask another question, and that is, Kathleen, are you humbling yourself before God, or are you full of pride? Because God says in his word that he sets himself against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when everything is going negatively in my life, and I feel like nothing is working, nothing is working, or I'm frustrated. And you usually know you're frustrated because you usually start saying you're frustrated. Isn't that a good clue? How are you? I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated. Frustrated. Then I have to say, God, you know, please show me what pride, you know, I've got pride somewhere. And so those are just things that I'm just throwing out to you. So not always when you have circumstances that are difficult is it because you're in sin or whatever. Lots of times it's God, and then sometimes it's the enemy. But if you are experiencing depression this morning, the simplest thing I can say besides taking this list and going through this list, because it is full of scriptures, I didn't write it just to be funny. I didn't write it to be cute. It's full of the Word of God, Um, and for those of you that just came in, it's back on the empty donut table. Take that this summer and look at those scriptures. Look up those scriptures. But the one thing I wanted to talk to you about this morning is just doing good and what that means. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The simplest things that we can do. There are so many people that we can help. There are so many people, not only just the people around us, but just doing good to the people that that we don't even know. Like in the grocery store, I mean, watch how your day will change as you go through your day, not on your mind, but having God and people on your mind like Jesus did. And watch your day just slip. As you go through your day, and you're at the cleaners, and instead of, like, pacing and being angry that the person can't find your cleaning in the back, and it was supposed to be ready at 5.30 yesterday. It was supposed to be ready Tuesday, but it's Wednesday at 5.30, and it's still not there, and you want to get out of there. How are you doing? Are you doing all right? Good. I mean, having a conversation with people, slowing down to be kind to people. We are such a generation that is so in a hurry that we don't even care about people anymore. And I'm saddened to see, see, Jesus Christ used his power and ability, and he had the whole world at his fingertips. But he used his powers and ability to help people. And the things that he attained, he used to help people. And yet I see us as his people using people to attain things. You're going to get my cleaning. You're going to get my groceries. You're going to help me with this. You're going to repair my telephone. You're my spouse. You're going to meet all my needs. You're my friend. You're going to need to help me because you're my friend. Instead of what can I do, what good can I do to other people? And, I mean, it's been amazing to me on my most blue days, and and don't get me wrong, Don't think that the enemy is going to let you hear a message like this and then you're going to waltz out of here and you're not going to be blue ever again. But on my most blue days when memories come back and old mistakes come back and I'm in the middle of tough circumstances and I'm getting squeezed like that line. And things hurt and they're painful and maybe they're painful in my back and they're painful in my life. Go back to what does the word tell me to do because that's the only thing that's going to set me free. And the simplest thing that I can do is I can do good to other people. Jesus said, If you want to have complete joy, love other people as I loved you. He didn't say, If you want to have complete joy, even though your parents have passed away, put them in a chair in front of you and first of all, talk to the chairs like they're your parents, and ball them out and then forgive them and then write them a letter and then, you know, journal all your childhood and then have 15 to 25 years of intense counseling and then do all these things. He didn't say that. He said, love people as I love people. And then it's amazing how God will then take my problems and do these miraculous things that I could never do. And don't think that Jesus isn't the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the things that happened after being in a body cast, uh, I was in a body cast for a year. After the back surgery, that was the way they used to do that, the old Harrington rods. And after they took the plaster Paris body cast off, we started noticing that my jaw was all messed up. And basically, to make a long story short, my upper palate was too narrow and too shallow. And I needed about... I think five millimeters of length and five or six, I can't remember now, millimeters of is that right? width, but I needed a lot. And I was 30-something um, at this point when, when Lacey and I, after this, when I got the body cast off, I was 14. But for all those years, up until 30-something, which was s- several years ago, um, that wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> Considering I'm 25, I hope you can do your math. Figure that out, people. All right. But I was in such severe, severe pain. I mean, I not only couldn't bend my back, but my jaw was all messed up, and I was grinding down my teeth, and my jaw was always hurting, and I could barely open my mouth. And here I was called to be a speaker, and it hurt to talk. You would never know that it hurt to talk, but it did. And we at that point knew my upper palate was fused i mean you're 30 something years old you're not growing anymore hopefully spiritually you are but you're not physically and what were we going to do and we tried you know breaking the upper palate i wore braces i wore a headgear for 14 hours a day we had excellent tv reception Um, I had this metal thing that that went from my forehead all the way to my chin and and was trying to pull out, you know, my upper palate. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. And after about a year and a half, and all I could say was, God, I'm just going to keep doing what you've called me to do. I'm just going to keep doing good. All that that's out of my control, I can't do anything about. I'm in hurting. I'm in pain. You know I am. And, you know, I'm miserable. I don't know why this isn't working. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I'm wearing this headgear and I'm 30-something years old. I'm embarrassed that I have these braces. I'm tired of hurting. I'm tired of being in this situation. This was before the leukemia. And I went to this man, and and, um, Lacey and I were in this prayer line this place that we weren't very comfortable anyway. And this man said, well, I'll pray over her. And he looked at me, and he prayed for me. And he put his hand on my forehead, and he said, you know, Jesus, heal her. And he looked at Lacey and he said, you just watch her in the next two or three days because her jaw is going to grow. And my jaw went out eight millimeters width and eight millimeters length. I had more than I needed. Matter of fact, we were praying it was going to go back because at that point I was like, hi, y'all. <laughs> you know? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know why you're being squeezed. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. I don't know why the things that have happened to you have happened to you. I don't know why you've been rejected. I don't know why you've picked the wrong person to marry. I don't know why the situations have happened in your life. I don't know why what's happened to your children have happened. But I know that God loves you, and he doesn't want you to be overcome. He wants you to be an overcomer, and I know that Jesus says that you can have complete joy in this very short life on this earth, and that he has a reason and a purpose for you to be here, and that complete joy will give you the power to fulfill that reason and purpose, and that complete joy comes from not being overcome, but being an overcomer and loving other people like Christ loves you. And we can have that, and we can do that, but it can't be some theological thing that we can't reach to. It has to be something simple. So I want to leave you with this. Go out and do good. Just do good. If you hurt, do good. If you feel like closing all your shades and going to bed and saying, God, I've given up, do good. Make yourself go out and do good whether it's the person at the cleaners, whether it's the person at the gas station, whether it's your own family, wherever you can do good, do good. Don't be overcome by evil. Romans 12, 21, overcome evil with good. You know, one of my most joyful times in my entire life, and and I'm not making this up, my mother can attest to you, And I'm not saying I'm less joyful now, because many days I wake up and I'm like, can there be more joy? Because if there is, I'm excited, but I just feel like, could I fly? I mean, I kind of feel like I could fly, because God's joy is not dependent upon circumstances. It's so much deeper, and the reason that it's so much deeper and so much more joyful is nobody can take it away. I mean, happiness is dependent upon circumstances, and that you could take away my happiness, absolutely, right now. You could come up to me after this and say, I I hated your talk, we're all leaving the church, and that might make me slightly unhappy. But you couldn't take my joy. You can't take it. And one of the most joyful times I had was in the hospital, because see, Even though I had leukemia and even though I wasn't feeling too good and even though I was separated from my family, I had this, like, isolated time where all day long I I didn't have to pay the phone bill. I didn't have to even answer the phone. I didn't have to go on errands. My job, my assignment from God, was to get well? No, Uh uh-uh. That's not what he assigned me. It was to do good. See, I had this captive audience of all these people on the oncology ward who had cancer. And my job is to write them scriptures and have the nurses deliver them. And see, the nurses can't deny anything that you want because you're on the cancer ward. <laughs> I'm like, take this to room 215. Take this to room 216. I enjoy it. I had, you know, 25 personal assistants <laughs> to do any kind of good I wanted at any time of the day or night or mid-morning. Take this to 315. It is 315 a.m. Yes, that is right. <laughs> I can pray over people. I wasn't full of myself. I had no responsibility. I I, I couldn't even brush my teeth. I wasn't allowed to brush my teeth because I didn't have enough platelets to clot. Should a toothbrush hair deal? What do you call them? They're not bristles. Should it strike my my um, gum the wrong way? I, I could bleed and not stop bleeding. I wasn't allowed to brush my teeth. I certainly didn't have to brush my hair. My responsibility was to do good, and I'm telling you, I had so much joy. And I have that same joy today. I'll tell you, when I lose that joy, it's when I'm always on my mind. And when I'm trying to fix myself. And when I'm trying to control things I can't control. And when I'm not trusting God. You know, Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and shun evil. It will be hell to your flesh and marrow to your bones. And the book of Proverbs says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And Jesus says, do you want to know how to have complete joy? Love one another as I love you. Just start by doing. Heavenly Father, we desire to be overcomers and not to be overcome. Lord Jesus, we desire to be powerful in you and not pitiful. And Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would come right now and touch in a powerful way and in a deep way and heal anyone here who is experiencing depression or oppression that's from the enemy. And I just command that demonic spirit of oppression and depression to go now in Jesus' name and to never, ever return. I thank you, Lord God, that you have said in your word through John 10.10 that you came that we might have life and life abundant. You said it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there is nothing that steals, kills, and destroys more than, than a spirit of depression. But you said that you came that we might have life and life abundant. And, Father, I praise you that you tell us in John 15 that we can have complete joy when we love one another as you have loved us. Father, it's just a first step. It's a baby step. But help us to remember as we go out today to not have ourselves in our mind, but to have someone else on our mind. To have you on our mind, number one, and to have others on our mind to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts and souls and minds, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Father, I pray that you would anoint each one of us with opportunity and circumstance to do good to someone and someones all the days of our life, and that we would have a joy in our hearts that no one can take away. She's Thank you.